You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, winner of the Share Care Emmy Award for Social Storytelling and the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the big toe. The big toe, also in anatomical terms known as the hallux. The hallux is the big toe. Also, I'm going to say in anatomical terms, it's also referred to as the great toe, but I think of great as subjective. I mean, I don't know if it's really that great, and it's fine. It's a fine toe, but it is objectively bigger, so I go with the big toe. I go with the objective truths here. So it's going to be the big toe, the hallux, and I'm going to discuss why we're talking about it but I'm gonna do so through a story first. I have a friend of mine, he's an NASM instructor as well, and he was working for a long time with professional athletes traveling around with them, and there was an athlete who was a significant Major League Baseball player. So he's a big deal in baseball, and he was having these hip issues, and the hip issues persisted, so he started working with them. Or the, actually, this guy initially went to Mike Clark, who was then at the time CEO of NASM. And he went, and Mike Clark did an assessment on him. And they go through this entire assessment, range of motion assessment, passive range of motion, active range of motion, strength test, all of these things. And they find that there is a significant lack of range of motion. Where? Well... I think you got it right at this point, at the big toe. And think about this, particularly with rotational athletes. If you're rotating and you don't have extension in your big toe, when you rotate, that range of motion has got to come from somewhere else. So you, you're still twisting. You're still swinging a bat. You're still throwing a ball. You're still rotating. But if your big toe doesn't extend, then that could mean that there's more rotation perhaps at the hip it could lead to some pinching at the hip and eventually maybe some labral tears at the hip there are simple things that you can address at the big toe that can salvage other parts of the body including specifically in this case the hip so they finally get to this range of motion test and they do these assessments they find that the big toe was significantly reduced in its range of motion. And do you think about the big toe? We don't, well, oftentimes we don't think about the big toe. <laughs> I think that is potentially the moral of the story right now is that like, if it's not a major joint, we talk about dorsiflexion all the time. We talk about range of motion at the ankle all the time. The knees, we talk about the hips, shoulders, there's some joints that we just kind of drop off and don't discuss. And the big toe, I think, is one of them. So let's look at the range of motion that is expected to take place at the first metatarsal phalangeal joint in the foot. So the metatarsals and the phalanges. So there are tarsals, which are the bones of the rear foot. The metatarsals, which are the longer bones on the forefoot, and then the phalangeal joint are the toes. Phalanges are fingers and toes. So if I got the first metatarsal phalangeal joint, then that is where the metatarsal and the phalange meet. And that's going to be that 
big toe joint at the base of the big toe. Well, that range of motion in extension should be about 70 degrees. So if I take a goniometer and I measure range of motion at the great toe, objectively big. If I do the range of motion at the big toe, 70 degrees of extension is what I'm looking for. Well, we can do some self-assessments that take place here as well. And the one I like to do is I'll put my big toe up against a wall and I'll drop the ball of my foot down onto the floor. So that first metatarsal phalangeal joint, the base of the big toe, that joint at the ball of the foot, still on the floor. Now, with my toe extended against the wall, what I might do is keeping my heel on the floor, I'll lean my knee towards the wall. And the first time I did this assessment, realized what a significant correlation there was between the plantar fasciitis that I had on my right foot and the left foot, which did not have plantar fasciitis. So I could, I could go and do my big toe against the wall on my left leg, and then I could go knee into the wall. And if I did it too fast, I might pop a hole in the drywall because that range of motion was so significantly there. It didn't even limit the, there was no tension when I, when I shifted my knee forward. But when I did it on my right foot and I hit my big toe propped up against the wall, the base of my foot, entire foot was on the floor. And then I went to lean forward. I immediately was halted. Immediately was halted. I was limited. I couldn't even get my knee to the wall. And in fact, it would be a practice of mine over and over again to stretch my big toe by doing this assessment, but doing it statically. And I would slowly, slowly be able to get my knee to touch the wall. And then, then that felt like a big deal, but I had to work my way into that range of motion. So let's talk about this big toe range of motion. We need to look at two things. We need to look at our ability to uh, increase range of motion in what we would call uh, hallux rigidus or having a rigid or stiff big toe, limited range of motion. There, There's also hallucus valgus, which is where the big toe goes into valgus. And that means that the, the big toes aiming towards the little toes. And that can be an issue for a lot of people too. Now, I'm not going to really be talking about how to address the, the valgus as much as just the stiffness in the toe. But let's look at the first thing in the NASM corrective exercise continuum, which is inhibit. So if I'm limited in my range of motion in big toe extension, then I'm going to do some self-myofascial techniques at the bottom of my foot. So rolling uh, a ball, sometimes uh, a golf ball, uh, is easy to use. They're not that expensive, and they might just be around your house. So using a golf ball is a way to do it. Just careful not to put too much pressure. You don't want to hurt your foot when you do this. But rolling around, loosening up, and inhibiting some of those muscles and some of the tissue on the bottom of the foot. I also suggest adding the calves into it as well because the calves kind of have this uh, this residual tightness that can take place that can move and start to affect other muscles in and around the ankle. So doing the calves as well could be very helpful. Well, do the calves cross over the big toe? No, they don't, but they certainly affect the tissue all the way up the posterior chain. And we know that posterior chain tightness 
can lead to tight calves. So that could be things like your hamstrings, even your low back leading to tight calves. And they don't cross over the ankle, but they affect what goes on at the ankle joint. Well, the muscles on the posterior of the leg, the calves, have an effect on how tight the bottom of the foot can be in those muscles as well. So those are some inhibitory techniques. Now, there are some self-administered mobilization techniques that you can do too. And by self-administered, I mean that you teach the client how to do it to themselves, kind of like the foam rolling. You don't roll clients, you teach them how to foam roll. And so a self-administered practice would be like to, to gently do some traction on the big toe. So holding on to the foot and gently pulling the big toe away from the foot and just creating some gapping in that metatarsal phalangeal joint, that, that MPT joint. And then you can also do this toe pulling and and then you can create some rotations. So just creating a little rotation. Then you can do some, some superior and inferior gliding. So gliding that, that joint up and down a little bit. So what are we doing here? We're just creating a bit of traction and trying to create movement and then practicing the extension of the big toe. You can practice flexing the big toe because some of the muscles and tendons on the top of the foot can also get tight. So we're going to practice that as a mobilization technique, but then we really get into the stretching techniques. And that's the big toe extension that I was talking about before. What you can do is you can you can put the big toe up against a wall or I don't know, I'm sitting on my sofa and I have a table in front of me. I can actually do this right now. I'm doing it, pushing my big toe up against one of the legs on the table and it is now stretching out my big toe. Right, so now practicing stretching the bottom. And I feel this in the bottom of my foot. I feel that because the muscle that stretches the big toe, sorry, that flexes the big toe is your flexor hallucis longus, flexor hallucis brevis, two muscles, the bottom of the foot, and they flex the toe. Well, I need to maybe practice getting them to extend. So that's where you practice those self-myofascial techniques, practice some static stretching, but then one of the interesting things, we move in the corrective exercise model from the inhibit, we then mobilize, we can then add our stretches, but we then go into our activations. So activation is now actively practicing big toe extension. So I could put my foot flat on the ground and just try keeping the first metatarsal joint on the, the floor and then lifting my toe up. And I'm trying to get like, like 30 degrees of extension, as long as my shin is neutral. I'm in a neutral position at my ankle. Let's see if I can get my toe to come up off the ground. And I'm going to practice those big toe extensions. I just pause for a moment because I'm thinking like, are we actually having this, this NASM CBT podcast about the big toe? This is what we're talking about. I think the problem is maybe we don't talk about these things very much and not that we need to spend the majority of our time talking about small joints like the big toe, but it is a significant joint when it comes to performance. When it comes to performance, this is a significant joint. But not only is it significant performance, we talk about things just simply moving, walking. I had, when I had my um, uh, plantar fasciitis and, and even after it resolved, I didn't realize how tight my big toe was until 
a friend of mine who's a physical therapist. His name's Ryan Chow in New York City. He's got a, a great place in uh, on 21st, 23rd Street in Manhattan and reload PT. But I, he was talking to me. He just saw me walking. And he was like, Rick, you have a you have a really short gait. And I was like, what do you mean? He was like, it's like you don't have a push-off. You just kind of move your foot. It gets to the ball of the foot. And then you pick it up and you move. And he said, you don't really have a, a big push-off. And I thought, I wonder why that is. And through some assessments, I realized, oh, my gosh, my range of motion on my right big toe is incredibly limited. And over time, that just shifted the way that my gait was, and it limited my range of motion, my push-off, and my walk. Well, that's that's walking, and I do that over and over. Then that limits. I'm not I'm not practicing getting the stretch in that big toe. So not only is it not getting range of motion, but now it's getting more used to that lack of range of motion. That's something I needed to pay attention to. Well, then, of course, when I have to pay attention to me, then I can turn my sights and start to explore what that means cognitively and then see how that affects other people, my clients in particular, and then talking to you guys. So I look at these things, and I now want to go into those big toe extensions, but realize that when a muscle is short, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's strong. And so I would do some feet exercises and I would notice that the bottom of my foot would start to cramp up sometimes. And I realized that there is weakness in my feet. And even though my big toe didn't have a lot of extension, it also didn't have a lot of strength and flexion. So what are some of the activation exercises that I could do with that? Well, I could do, you've probably seen this before, the, the towel crunches where you keep your foot on a towel and then you just squeeze your toes and you try to crunch the towel up underneath your foot. It's great exercise to help strengthen the foot. There's another exercise that that I've heard of and this is something that Dr. Emily Splickle, the podiatrist and fitness professional, she's been on our show several times, she talks about short foot. And short foot is, is really just trying to shorten the foot, keeping the foot flat on the ground making sure the first metatarsal phalangeal joint, so the ball of the foot at the big toe, still stays touching the ground, but then you just make it shorter. Now, what does that do? It's really increasing the arch in the foot. But if you're like me and have flat feet and somebody says, hey, you should you should try to raise the arch of your foot, but you don't have an arch in your foot, so you don't know what that means and you don't know what that feels like. And so sometimes short foot and showing with your hands what's going on at the feet allows somebody to, instead of saying, let me see, let me try to make an arch in my foot, which I don't know how to do because I have flat feet, maybe short foot and showing them what that looks like is beneficial and can help because it was a great cue for me. And now I still have flat feet, but I got a little, I got a little arch in there. So I've been working on that. One of the other things you can do, this is big toe band holds. And it's where you're, you're standing up and you don't have shoes on, so you have to you have to be barefoot in order for this. Or you could potentially do it with socks on, but better barefoot. And you put the a band, like a mini loop, underneath someone's big toe. So as you're working with your client, you just say, keep your big toe pressed down. I'm going to try to pull that that mini loop out from under your big toe. And and it's it's a great exercise, and you can do that and just have them press it. But then what you could also do is have them do single leg balance exercises where their foot is now doing all this little wiggling, little micro activations all over the place with the big toe still pressing down against that loop. 
And I think that that is a great exercise that you can do. Now, when we get into integrations, you can also add that with more global exercises. But let's talk a little bit more about what are some other potential activations and what they look like. One is a, I like to do this, I'm sitting here on my sofa, and I could do a seated calf raise. I like to do one leg at a time so I can really focus on the strength that I'm putting in through my big toe. So I just go into a calf raise. Well, if I go into a calf raise, that extends my big toe. But then I try to turn that into a toe raise. So by pushing the big toe and my toes, all of them into the floor, it lifts my heel up even higher. So I'm plantar flexed, but my toes are extended. Now I flex my toes and I feel the muscles in the bottom of my feet, those toe muscles in particular, the hallux, because it's the biggest toe and it's doing most of the work. As I plantar flex, my toes extended, and then I flex my toes, my knee comes up even higher. My calves are very short, but the muscles in the bottom of my feet and my toe muscles are working even harder. Once you kind of isolate them and you do them individually, then you can start doing both at the same time. And if you want to, you can start adding weight as you get stronger by maybe putting dumbbells in your hands and then placing those dumbbells on top of your knees. And you can load that exercise, eventually moving to a standing version of this where you're going into toe uh, calf raises and then adding your toes into it. It's really hard to do, particularly for those with weak feet and weak toes with your full body weight. So start in a seated position. All right, and then we can move on into these integrated exercises. And the integrated exercises, I like thinking, the first one I think about when I talk about integrating and getting range of motion in my big toe are lunges. And it's not the front leg, it's the back leg. You think about if you've ever had a client that has had a rigid big toe, lunges can be very challenging for them because they can't get the big toe extension. And if they do, they're either on the tips of their toes, which puts more pressure at that joint, or they start to they start to flex and go into a little valgus. So we're actually increasing those toe out positions as the toe starts to push in towards the medial toes. So, or push up laterally towards the toes next to it. It's not great, but if you can do this and you start to go through your inhibitory techniques, your stretching techniques, your mobilization techniques, your activations, and then go into your lunges, that rear foot, there's a big range of motion of the big toe. And then people can start to get into that range of motion better when you go through the corrective exercise continuum. So these integrations are actually really quite nice. So you can add the lunges with the rear foot, that big toe is getting a lot of extension. You can go into squats and try to maintain short foot and your feet. So going to squats and trying to keep short foot and then you can even go into a squat, into a calf raise, and then maybe eventually into the toe raise as well. These are these are integrated suggestions that you can add into it. A lot of balance exercises will include the bottom of the foot and the big toe as well. And when I cue this, I try to make sure that I cue grabbing into the ground, not hard. We're not like a raptor trying to grab into some carry-on. We're, we're maybe a bird just grabbing onto a limb lightly. We're grabbing our feet into the ground. Even if you have your shoes on, you can grab into it. Short foot, grab the ground lightly, not too, not too hard, not too heinously. 
just grabbing, and that's going to help to strengthen the bottom of your feet and your toes as well. All right. Well, what about what about the um, hallux valgus? What about when the the toe starts to move laterally, like it's trying to hug up on the other toes? Well, I think it's good that that you can potentially talk your clients through some stretching, through some self-mobilization, similar to what we talked about uh, previously. But they could also, you could indicate that they maybe could use a spacer between their big toe uh, and their second toe. But really, that's a that's a place where I might say you could go see a physical therapist and actually have somebody work on these ranges of motion. Once they've done some work with the physical therapist coming back to you so you can help support them in their process, then that can be very helpful. And I know what you're saying. You're saying, Rick, this is interesting. This is interesting information and data about the big toe, but how does that help me burn calories? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not really the, the best on burning calorie kind of trainer. I am the best at what is, let's optimize movement and let's increase your fitness. Now, a lot of times that includes burning calories, sure. But really what I'm looking at is that can I do something to help you move and function better, especially for performance clients? And I'm not going to spend my entire time working with somebody on their big toe, but I'm going to include it if we find that necessary. I'm going to add it in if we find it necessary, because a lot of times you can help relieve some potential damage that goes on just because of the, some assessments that you do, and you can identify things, things that maybe nobody has ever identified in them before. And then that is, I mean, if it's not life-changing, which it can be for some people, it is certainly fitness-changing and movement-changing and it allows people to, in many instances, move, feel, and function better. And all you did were add a, all you did was you added some simple prep, movement prep, some foam rolling, some stretching, some mobilizations, activations, some exercises, all the things you're probably doing anyway at the very beginning of the workout, but you're using it specifically for an issue that somebody has. What is that? That's, that's being a really good trainer. And if you give them homework and just say, hey, these are some things that I want you to think about. When you think about it, please do them. Try to get in a couple times a week. And that can help them be better off when they come back and see you again. All right. Very cool. Uh, enough about the big toe, I suppose. But I hope that you found it helpful. Also, if you are a fitness professional, please tell your fitness friends and family about this podcast. Share it with them. If you find that this episode was particularly helpful for somebody, please send it to them. Like, subscribe, share, all the things. If you've got questions for me, reach out to me on Instagram at dr.rickritchie, or you can hit me up on email, rick.ritchie at nasm.org. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast. <laughs>